Hey, welcome to Coffee House. So, I have to first apologize as profusely as humanly possible. Because last week I submitted the episode, but one of the things I have to make sure to do is to export an MP3 and not M4A. I use M4A because it's faster and takes up less space. But if I try to upload that, it just doesn't work. And nothing notifies me that it doesn't work. I just have to figure it out. So, that's what, it hasn't happened in a while, but that's what happened with the last one. I was really excited about last week's episode, too. So, I'm really sorry that that happened. I really have to make sure I'm getting all this stuff together. It's just taking a long time to do this stuff now, especially with the rebranding and new logos and all that. So, anybody who's still around, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, we're going to keep pushing through, and I'm going to try to... I'm going to get on a, a full schedule and list... So you know what books are coming up instead of having, you know, just waiting and saying, oh, what book is that? Uh, you're going to know what books are coming up. If you want to read it with me, then we can do it that way. Uh, I also started, I think it was on Telegram, was it Telegram? Um, it was somewhere. But somewhere where you'll be able to just, you know, send me messages directly. So anyway, that's all, that's all coming up soon here. But for now, we are in the Apocalypse Never discussion. So Apocalypse Never, like we talked about last week, if anybody actually heard it, really important book, really important topic about environmentalism and just the insanity surrounding it and the apocalyptic talk that's being used for political purposes, of course. One thing I saw recently was that uh, Steven Pinker shared an article specifically about how people are over-dramatizing this whole environmentalism shtick. And there was another one, too, another prominent liberal, I think, who was popularizing the same idea that it's just being dramatically overblown. And the thing that I kind of thought was the most important thing to take away from this whole environmentalism craze and movement and cultish behavior is that you have to ask for details. You know, when you're talking to somebody who's just spouting environmentalism and saying this is the most important thing in the universe and you better be on board or else you're a terrible person, then ask for details. Ask for details about, okay, well, so how do we mitigate it and how much is it actually going to mitigate it? Whatever you're saying that we should be doing, how much is that going to help? Does that apply to every country in the world? And if it only applies to the United States, the United States does it, but China and India don't do it, then how much is it actually going to help? How much is it going to mitigate? And you'll find, of course, quickly that they know no details about any of those things. They just know that morally they're supposed to be doing one thing or another, and they are abdicating their responsibility of knowing any more by just saying that I've taken the moral position. That way I don't have to defend anything. And people do that, that people compensate for a lack of evidence and argument with emotional outrage and moralizing. That's how they balance those things out so they don't have to be the ones who are actually doing all the thinking and memorizing all the particular nuanced facts about a particular political topic. And that's the funny thing, because you have to notice that about so many Democrat positions. It's how many are really only substantiated or supported by moral outrage? rather than by all the particulars of the argument in, in this particular area. And then on top of that, this desperate need to not have people or not want people or call somebody immoral for having questions about it or questioning it in general. Anyway, one of the big things that I think I mentioned in the previous episode was about the 97% number, because that was something that was always trotted out. Whenever I'd hear an environmentalist argument, it was always trotted out that 97% of scientists agree that global warming is the most important thing ever and we're all going to die if we don't fix it. And each environmentalist, you know, each activist or just random liberal will say it in a different way because they didn't actually read what 
the articles were about when they were talking about this. But when you dive into that 97% number, it just gets completely debunked in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Because the people who wrote that just went through and interpreted what scientists would say about this question. You know, I initially thought it was a survey that went to like all the climate scientists in the world and all the climate scientists just answered the survey and that's how you got this number. But in reality, it came from there were these two articles of these people who went into scientific studies and scientific papers and tried to interpret what they thought the scientists would say about this particular question. And even more important than that to me is to think about what's actually being agreed upon. Because, of course, the general consensus, the liberal consensus is that all the scientists agree that we're on the verge of the apocalypse. That's what they agree to. But when you look at the actual wording of what's being agreed to, it's usually something as incredibly basic and generic as people contribute to, you know, the actions of people contribute to climate change. Something really vague and really general and really easy to agree to like that. So you have to look at what's actually being agreed upon, what the science scientists are actually saying. Because as we saw in the book, so much of what's going on is that activists and news media will take something out of context or they'll take some kind of a study and just make an apocalyptic headline out of it so they can sell more or get more dollars donated to their group or, or whatever, get more celebrities on board. So you really have to think about that. You really have to ask those questions about that. And again, like I brought up a little bit, the effect of mitigation measures, that's one step that I don't think I've ever heard when I've talked to an environmentalist or an activist, is how much is it actually going to affect the environmental question that we're talking about? So what's the effectiveness of, of the actual solution that's being proposed? So, you know, whether it's banning plastic straws or using paper instead of plastic or saving the rainforest in this particular way, whatever it is, how much is that actually going to impact? What is that actually going to do if we all change to free range? We saw that free range would actually increase the carbon footprint of meat production, as well as the land that would be necessary for it. If we all change to solar, how much is that going to impact our, our ability to actually have consistent energy? How much is that going to drive up the cost of energy? And how, how much are we going to have to deal with rolling blackouts that's going to impact business? There are, you know, hundreds of millions of people People that are and institutions and corporations and all that that are interdependent on all of these things and so have you thought about all the ramifications of whatever solution that you're proposing here and like I said you'll find out that they have no clue it's not even something they actually thought about because it's not about reality or solving a problem it's about emotional validation and once you realize that then everything makes so much more sense in the way that these conversations go because it used to be very frustrating to me to have any kind of political conversation where somebody just seems so obtuse about a political issue. But then I realized that we're not actually speaking the same language. We're not actually talking in the same terms. They're not looking for the same things that I'm looking for. So we're just talking past each other. And that's the reason that we're not having any kind of a resolution in our conversation. So you have to speak the proper language. And I know it's hard to have the burden on you that you have to interpret what you're trying to say to whatever language they're trying to use. But that's just how it is for people who are or are parents attention. So what do we do from here? What do we do from here? Knowing the information that we know, having read that book, 
obviously because we are more committed we would generally we would have to get better understanding of the climate sciences itself and the mitigation strategies and the impact on business and economics and how it affects geopolitical commitments and relationships that's a lot of work to be able to do that so the general solution that we need to do is try to encourage a cultural commitment to results over appearance so instead of just giving somebody a pass and saying that, oh, I care about the environment. Okay, here are your little brownie points. Now go on. We don't have anything else to talk about. Instead of doing that culturally, we should be challenging these things at every instance and exhibit the right degree of humility when it comes to these topics. Because obviously, I'm guessing that the vast majority of us aren't climate scientists and we're not excellent climate scientists. If we were, even if we were climate scientists or the preeminent climate scientists in the world or anything like that. So we have to exhibit the right amount of humility but when somebody else is trying to make an argument based on just ridiculous terms and being even more oblivious than you imagine your opponent being in this particular case you have to make sure you're on the right footing to smack that down you can't accept that culturally we have to make sure that we're attacking that in from every angle in every area when somebody tries to make some kind of outlandish claim like the world's going to end in 12 years or 10 years now, you know, we're counting down, or, the, you know, climate change is the most important issue to everybody or something like that, then you have to be able to ask the questions to be able to challenge all the assumptions that they're making and even just the framework that they're using to come to all these answers that they magically have for themselves and realize that they're just downloading whatever talking points they're supposed to have to pretend to be moral. So again, it's not a matter of evidence for climate change. This is a matter of reestablishing the standards that we use to make decisions and to have arguments in public between adults. We have to reestablish those standards because if we don't have that shared standard, if we don't get to appeal to, okay, we have to make sure that we're being objective. We have to make sure that we're marshalling the right kind of evidence and that we're not seeking just emotional validation or to be patted on the head and called moral or something like that. We have to establish those standards first before we can move on from there. And we have to fight the cultish demands in every way that they come out everywhere we see them. And the most uh, obvious indicator is when somebody pretends to be absolutely certain about a topic in the midst of demonstrating that they know virtually nothing about that topic. I mean, if you go to the most preeminent climate scientist in the world and ask them about all these issues, they're going to be couching it all over the place and saying, this is what we know, this is what we don't know, these are the outstanding questions, here's what I can say provisionally, you know, we can't even talk about this area of how the mitigation strategies work because it's so complex, it would take four hours just to lay out the definitions of all these things, but then you have all these lay people who will just come out and say, yes, I'm absolutely certain I'm right and we need to do this and this, da 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 so absolute certainty, that is certainly a red flag initially when you're getting into these kinds of conversations. What do we actually need to do when it comes to environmentalism? So this is something that's talked about in the book. So I mostly defer there, and it seemed mostly right, is going nuclear. <laughs> so nuclear power, it's something that we have to kind of take away all of the stigma attached to it and get to a point of people genuinely talking about nuclear as an option as another option that is clean and we need more science to figure out how to deal with the the spent fuel rods you know that's something that we have to really work on but we need to get rid of that stigma first and realize that it's it's the cleanest it's the most effective it's the most energy dense so we have to take that into account and that's not haphazardly that's not something like okay well let's put it in our backyard then you know there'll be a mcdonald's there'll be a nuclear plant <laughs> there'll be a strip club next to that 
We have to obviously uh, make sure that we do that in the right way, but it's something that we should at least be taking the stigma away from. And then the third world, this is a big question, and this is more kind of philosophical than it is dealing with the nuts and bolts of this thing, because the third world, this might be a strategy on behalf of the Western world and powerful nations to keep all those other nations down. It might literally be some kind of negative colonialism and I say this because I'm actually reading a book that's talking about colonialism and all the positives that it brought to the to these places. But it might actually be a strategy to keep all these things down. And I was thinking about how the world might be much more dangerous if you had a whole bunch of nations with parity when it comes to the economics and developments, industrialization, the maturity of their economies and all that. If you had parity amongst 30 nations instead of the two or three that we have right now, then you wonder if it would be a much more dangerous place and if there's some kind of broad thing going on here where they're trying to keep all those nations down. I don't know, but it's uh, an interesting question. It seems like a horrible injustice. At least let them develop at their own pace. You know, don't get involved, even if you're not going to give them money to help with their infrastructure. Let them do whatever they're going to do. Let them use whatever energy resources they're going to use, they need to use, instead of putting all this albatross around their necks. <laughs> it just says, you have to do it this way, even though this isn't in any way how any of us did it. You have to do it this way. It just seems like a, a horrible injustice to me. It's a good question and something that's certainly worth talking about. So, anyway, that's the Apocalypse Never discussion. Obviously, there's so many things to talk about, so many things to go through, and we can only do so much. But I'm going to mix it up a little bit, and we're going to talk about a couple of news articles that are coming up. And right now, I'm reading Modern Times, I think it's called. It's a tome. It's a thick book, but it's got a lot of great stuff, especially there's this big section talking about Lenin and all the things that he did to consolidate his power after he took it after the putsch. The Russian Revolution, so... Uh, all of those are so applicable right now, I was blown away. I was audibly just gasping and sighing and making all sorts of angry noises as I was going through this. So it's right out of his playbook. But we'll get to that. So preview. Modern Times, I think it's called. It's about the America from, or the world, from the 1920s to the 1990s, I think it is. But anyway, so any of you who have stuck around, even through all my missteps, I, I greatly appreciate it. And I hope that we can have some kind of a, a greater positive impact. Because I know I tear a lot of things down here, but I really want to start building. Start building towards something much greater. So hopefully you'll come along with me on that. This is The Coffee House, and I will see you on the next one. All right, bye. <music>